Hi, everybody. My name is Ella. I'm a compulsive overeater. And um, thank you to Shelby for asking me. This is this first, the first hybrid meeting I've ever, I've ever participated in. So that's great. And um, I'll just tell you a little bit about me so that you know what what, what makes me sit here and, and talk to you. Um, I came to OA in 1982, uh, June 16th, precisely, 1982. So it was 40 years, um, a couple, you know, a week or so ago. Um, and it's really amazing to me that I stayed here that long because certainly the first the first meeting I went to, I was tempted to walk out because um, I didn't like the way the room looked. I didn't like the rug. I didn't like people saying, hi, Ella. I didn't like the Lord's Prayer. I was, um, I had a bad attitude. And the thing that was, the thing, only the thing that caught my attention was that there were people who shared that they ate as I'd eaten and that they were a normal weight. And at that time, I probably weighed, I wasn't at my top weight. My top weight was about 185. Um, and I'm a little person, so that, it doesn't matter. I, I spent my whole young life because I didn't get here until I was 40. I spent my whole young life thinking that if only I were thin, everything would be okay. And I spent all my time trying to figure out and trying to do something to get thin. And it would be any kind of diet, any kind of holistic thing, any kind of therapy, thousands of dollars, thousands of hours. And I was also a very sincere uh, seeker of, um, well, I, whatever, a spiritual seeker and went on a lot of retreats and had tried, you know, looking at my situation in that light, which was not to take it. You know, all the people who were the great, who were the teachers at the time were like, well, don't take it so seriously. And I want to say, yeah, that's because you're not an addict. And if you're an addict, you can't say, don't make, take it so seriously. And why don't you make a friend of it? You know, you might as well say, why don't you sleep with a rattlesnake? It's just not helpful. Um, anyhow, um, by the time I got here, I think I didn't really, really care that much about the weight anymore. It was that there was no pleasure at all in that food. It was just torture. And the way I ate was absolutely incomprehensible to I'm sure anybody um, and and it 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 was just I was a slave I was just so wrecked by it and um, at the at the meeting something happened which was that they had a raffle and I won the literature raffle which was a copy of the big book and I want to say that never before had I ever won anything in a raffle. 
And it was lucky I won it in a raffle because there was something about the circumstance that caused me to think, well, perhaps since I won it, I will open it up and read it. And what did I do? I opened it up to the doctor's opinion. And there I was told that my body, as well as my mind, had this disease. There I was told that I was an addict, that it was not a moral issue. There I was told that I ate in order to deal with a craving, you know, and that all my psychological problems, of which I probably had and still do have many, um, they were not the re they were not the culprit in this situation, and that I could spend my whole life understanding, quote unquote, why I ate or trying to understand why I ate, and it would not help me in the least in order to stop it. And that for anybody else, and I'm sure all of you have had this experience, that once I abstain from compulsive overeating, and even more interestingly, once I became a normal body weight and I've been in this size, um, I don't know, you know, for a while, um, my problems were not solved either. That I still had me and I still had life to deal with just like everybody else. And I was still subject to emotions and to, I'm, you know, I just turned 80 as well in June. And, you know, when you turn 80, your body's just not like it was when I was um, even 50, you know? So it, it's, it's another challenge. It's yet another thing I need to deal with. And I can't use the excuse of, oh, I'm too old because I, that sounds a lot like the excuse of, oh, I'm too fat. Or let's not say the excuse, the rationalization. Um, and, and I thought it was interesting that in this, um, where's, our, where's my reading? In the reading, it said that, um, Recovery holds out the promise of a better life than I ever dreamed possible. The most important thing I can do today is the footwork that is bringing that about. So I think what is the, you know, the footwork for stopping eating, like getting a plan of eating, working with a sponsor, identifying what foods um, are quote unquote alcoholic foods or what foods are binge foods or you know what foods I don't eat in moderation. That's, I wouldn't say that is easy, but that is very concrete. And the results are quite obvious. That is if I don't overeat, then sooner or later, I'm not going to be overweight. But with these, pesky little defects of character, and it is the sixth month. Um, so therefore, step six has some, we can just say, well, six, it's relevant. It's always relevant. But these pesky little defects of character, um, it's a little hard to know what is the footwork with that. I mean, I'd be really 
interested when people share if people would talk about their experience with being relieved of defects of character um, or whatever you want to call it, shortcomings, all of me, good or bad, dear God, just please have it all. And, um, you know, the sixth step says we're entirely ready to have God remove these defects of character. And um, there's a friend of mine up here, another fellow who says, the only thing she's entirely ready for is dinner. So um, I think, and that other people say nothing, they, that everything they've let go of has claw marks on it. And I think, you know, as an addict, I'm really able to bear a lot of pain. That's another characteristic of addiction that is no matter how bad I felt overeating, I couldn't stop. And I, you know, it wasn't like hitting bottom. It was like life on the bottom for lots of time. Because when I, I've, as I said, I've been in here 40 years. And the first 12 and a half, 13 years, I was not consistently abstinent. I might get abstinence for a while, or I might try a new food plan or a new, you know, meeting. And I'd think, this is it. Hey, this is the answer you know, let's eat oat bran and do this. This will just work out fine. And then sooner or later, it wouldn't work out fine. And I couldn't, I, and, and I also want to tell everybody that I was not a person who liked to do things I was not good at. I, I was a person who did very well in school without studying. And I was used to being able to get it you know, and um, I did not, I could not get it. I spent many, I spent, I tried very, lots of different things and I spent a lot of time, you know, I would have great stretches of abstinence, sometimes three or four years. And then one day for some unknown reason, I would be eating again. Um, but in January of 1996, I um, had my last binge. January 6th, January 5th, because January 6th was the first day of abstinence. And I, and I mean, I've been trying telling people with, with all humility, I don't know what it was that made it possible for me to stop. I can't say here to you, just do the steps this way in the big book, just eat like this, just, you know, blah, 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 blah. Um, because I don't, I don't know. I honestly have to say it's some kind of mystery. Yes, I was faithful in going to meetings. I never left this fellowship, larger, smaller, I never left. And I never stopped telling the truth about what I ate. I always told my sponsor what I'd eaten, no matter what. And I also, after a while said, I couldn't cancel any obligation because I'd overeaten. That is, I had no, I could not use overeating as an excuse to cancel an obligation. And if I'd made a plan for dinner with somebody, <laughs> I'm sorry, I had to go eat that dinner regardless of what I'd eaten. And it was like some way of saying, you know, this overeating, this lack of abstinence, this relapse, it had its little life, not little, this big life on its track. And the rest of life had its own, another track like recovery, is on another track. And I don't know why they sometimes just don't cross over. 
And I mean, you know, people would say, well, it all depends upon how much pain you can take before you wave the white flag. And believe me, I can endure a lot of pain. And so um, speaking of the, the sixth step a little bit, because, you know, you would think I was through with my character defects by now. Um, but I was just reading um, here in Voices of Recovery on January 15th. In OA, we've discovered that humility is simply an awareness of who we really are today and a willingness to become all that we can be. I have to put this, these glasses on, sorry. Um, it says, I am powerless over fixing myself, but I am not helpless. I can pray for the willingness to be willing to surrender and allow the natural progression of change to unfold in God's time. I can even enjoy myself in the process. OA has given me back my power. Today, I choose to practice unconditional self-acceptance while I relish the mystery of change. Is that my two-minute warning? 13 minutes. Okay. Um, I... Um, in step six, I become willing to let go whatever stood in the way of my being present to life. Um, this is a really great little reading here. It's January 15th on page 15 of Voices of Recovery. Um, and it just says, the freedom that comes as a result of practicing unconditional love and acceptance of the person I am today. I know this makes me wanna cry because it's not that easy to practice unconditional love and self-acceptance. Um, it's, it's, it really isn't. And that doesn't mean that I don't think there's lots of room for improvement, but it means that I don't, I can't blame myself and I can't think that I'm causing the problem. It's there's somehow, if I keep on applying what I learned with the food, and what it took to become abstinent, which was just over and over again, being willing to stumble and fall down and saying, okay, you know, I'm only being asked to pick myself up one more time. Like just for today, I'm being asked. I don't have to try to erase these defects and think I will never do that again because I have not found that to be the case. Um, and I mean, right now, what I struggle a lot with is a kind of um, just unwillingness to do things that I need to do. Like, you know, you'd think it was like some kind of, you know, exile to Siberia to, to put clothes in the washing machine. Um, you know, like this, the daily facts of living, sometimes they just seem like, Oh God, this is really too much. Um, but I think that just saying that it's too much for me alone and that I love this, we close with the seven step prayer. I love that we say, I can't fix myself. You know, I cannot, I cannot put the fix in. I can't decide to be a better person, a kinder person, a more loving person. Um, 
just as I couldn't decide to stop eating. I can only ask to be given that grace today. And so um, I'm gonna close here and what I'd like, and if you want to talk about it, I don't know if I'm allowed to suggest a topic, but um, maybe people can talk about their own experience dealing with, um, I don't know, we, you know, what do you really call them? Defects of character, shortcomings, difficulties. Um, how are you applying the program to this or anything else you want to share about? So thank you very much for um, let, letting me share. <laughs>